Baby, the sun is shining. Dog woods are coming in blue. Put on your white dress, yeah, cause a baby, it's a good day for Mary and you. I call my mama and daddy. Baby, you call yours too. Put on your white dress, yeah, cause a baby, it's a good day for Mary and you. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of the That Sounds Fun podcast. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs, and here we are. Episode 6B, my second half of my interview with musician Dave Barnes. You hear him in the background singing from his new album, Hymns for Her. It's called A Good Day for Marrying You. Isn't that sweet? What a great album. Hey, if you haven't grabbed one yet, we're going to do another little giveaway at the end of this episode like we did at the end of 6A, so stick around for that. Also, we're going to back up for just a couple of seconds at the end of last podcast so we can carry on the conversation. So the first minute and a half-ish you've already heard if you've listened to 6A, but, you know, we got to keep the conversation flowing. So we are going to pick up right where we left off, talking with Dave about this new album, Hymns for Her. Okay, so I want you to tell me a little bit about your new record, Hymns for Her. I love it. It's different. I did it with Ben Shive, which I love doing. I mean, talented for days. Oh my gosh, he's a monster. Yeah. And so I kind of knew the vibe I wanted. It was so funny because we were, we were, oh, what were we working on? He and I were doing something together. And uh, maybe we had a show or something. I was telling him, he was like, so what are you up to? I said, man, I want to do these EPs. And the first one I want to do is kind of like a, you know, like Van Morrison meets Nick Drake, kind of moody, mm-hmm. not, a, not a lot of rhythm section, guitars, you know, lush stuff. And he was like, who's doing it? And I was like, I don't know. I hadn't decided yet. He's like, how about I do it? And I was like, how about you do it? So yeah. we did it. It's six songs. It's got an instrumental, which I love. Oh, that's you know. what I used on Jessica Turner's podcast. I used oh, Mississippi. Yeah. It is just, it's gorgeous. Thanks. A lot of that has been. I just had this, we were setting up the mic uh, when we when I did guitars one afternoon for the, the album. And I was playing something and he was like, what is that? I was like, I don't know. It just sounds cool in this mic. He's like, record that and remember that because we need to do that as an instrumental. And oh, I was wow. like, awesome. So. Thankfully, I came home and finished the little idea, and then we had 30 minutes left in the day that Chris Donegan would play guitars on it, and Ben was like, you still remember that idea? Because mm. Chris was like, I got 30 minutes, you got anything else? So I ran in there, recorded really quickly, Chris laid down a bunch of stuff, and then Ben wrote the arrangement and hired some, some guys in Nashville to extract. But I love it. I'm so, so proud of it, because I feel like for me, I've always wanted to do something that felt like this album feels, and thankfully, I had the songs to sort of and it doesn't feel kitschy. It doesn't yeah. feel Valentine'sy. I love that you did. You did a val, uh, a lovey uh, kind of record, uh, and it's it it's so good to fill that spot. But this doesn't feel like that. Yeah, that's what I was. This hoping. feels. Can I say mature? I, not that that that's, one was immature. No, that's how I described it. This one feels really mature and yeah. like you're making pasta. Yeah, I think too. Hmm, interesting. It's audio pasta. Thank you for. That's your new Twitter handle. Oh my gosh. Um, but like, I think the thing too is I just really wanted something that I really feel like my fans like when I do this kind of music. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what if I just gave them an EP of it as opposed to, you know, because my albums can be really eclectic, yeah. quote unquote. And I just thought it'd be fun to just kind of give them what they want a yeah. little bit. Yeah. And what I, what I love, I mean, sure. I, lo- I, was, I was playing some this morning because I got the show coming this week. It was the first time I played it there live. Man, I love these songs. They're so easy to sing, and it's just not all this heavy lifting. Yeah. Um. So I, I really, I, I'm, I'm super proud of it, and I, it's fun to have as part of a sort of discography. Yeah. 
yeah, I, I feel that way about books. I think. Yeah. Sorry, I'm glad that book exists yes. there. Yep. Because yep. I want it, if this is going to be 30 years. That's right. I want one of these. That's a huge revenue for how I look at my album. I mean, that is. I literally think about it like that. Yeah. I'm like what? Is like a set. One, yeah. And what are they representing? And mm-hmm. so I love that. And then you know, touring wise, Wurtz and I are. I'm doing some shows of my own, and then I'm. Um, Wurtz and I are going out to do a three birds one stone with John McLaughlin. Yes. Which is I can't like believe- really should be called Three Birds. At this point. <laughs> I mean, all the birds. Yeah, all the birds. I mean, that is going to be a killer show. You know, that's the first time I ever saw you was your first Two Birds, One Stone round. Oh, in Atlanta. Yeah. That's the first show I, I ever saw. That. Right before I moved here. Yeah. Right? Like maybe a year. Um, that is going to be a killer show. Yeah, it'll be so much fun. That's the thing is that people are going to go expecting good music <clears throat> from three very talented artists and not realize, or maybe they will realize that y'all are three people who are actually very good friends in real life. Yeah, oh yeah. That y'all would be doing that in a living room. Yep. And do do that in living rooms. Yep. Whether people show up or not. Yep. And it's that feel resonates. Oh, I mean, when John said he could do it, I, I thought I wanted to ask him, but I was like, man, I just don't know. He's he's such a successful artist, and to ask him to open. But I thought, you know, if nothing else, maybe he'll just think it's fun. And he was like, mm-hmm. dude, I'm really good. Yeah. And it was like, oh, this is gonna be. It was already gonna be a blast. But, yeah. You know, John's such a good friend. He was like, oh, and they're both funny. Oh, John is wildly funny. Yes. He is the one of the funniest people I know, but he's also super dry. Yes. So if you don't so know that about him, yeah. it's like, you know, his jokes are like whispers. You have to really sort of pay attention. But once you, it's like, oh my God. Yeah. He just will slip him in. Oh yeah. And you'll, it'll stop the whole table. Oh yeah. yeah. And you'll be like, oh my God, John McLaughlin, so get funny. out of here. So funny. <laughs> it's so wildly funny. funny. What is the thing about unity and humor and God. What is the thing? What do you think he put that in you on purpose and you've drawn out that it causes unity? Why, why has he done that in you? God, what did he notice? I don't know. I don't know. That may be a bad question. That may be why it's hard to answer, but it just feels like you and you, God did that on purpose He's revealed to you that that's the one of the purposes for you, and you know that that's the difference in doing it right and doing it wrong, is unity versus disunity. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's a, I would have to think about that. That's a really good question. I think sometimes God gave me the grace of my sense of humor because, you know, in my career when I began, I leaned on it so heavy. Because, I mean, when I was a sophomore at MTSU and I started writing, or freshman, I started writing songs, but sophomore, junior, I started playing shows and I didn't sing. I mean, I literally, I I sang songs that I wrote because I needed somebody to sing them. And so when Micah and some of my friends there started to go, man, you should, you should like play these somewhere. These are really cool. You sound cool singing them. It was like, I don't sing, man. But... I do entertain. Right. So it was like, okay, that part of me was like, well, no, maybe I should do this because I love being in front of people. And I'd done that a lot. I mean, Crusade, we were doing like a skit a week yeah. and it was mostly just us getting up there and making something up. And yeah. I, so there was, I loved that. So, you know, I think some of it, I can't help but wondering God's sort of infinite plan for my life. That he was kind of like, man, for you to do this thing that I've sort of made you to do in music, you're going to need this sort of like, this is going to be your gateway drug into it. You know, it's yeah. a terrible analogy, but like, no, I'm with you. you know what I mean? It's like, cause I would get up and do shows and 
I mean, literally, you know, Micah and some of my friends can tell you, like, I, I would talk at a hour show 30 minutes. Oh, wow. Because I had six songs. Right. And that was my safety net. It's when I get nervous and about to sing, because I, I was so nervous to sing, I would say something and people would laugh and I'd tell myself, okay, you're going to sing today. And then I'd kind of power. You'd be like, keep laughing. I'm going to start singing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so I think for me, it was a, it was a grace in some ways, because I think it gave, it sort of, that was the, that's what propped me up for a long time on stage. It's sort of like when I got nervous to do the thing that I didn't really know how to do, which is sing. Humor was the thing that would calm me and the crowd. It's sort of like I could feel like what I have here. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I, that's, I'll have to ask that question. Okay, we'll just wait. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I would actually be like, yeah, hold on. <laughs> hold on, Come Annie. on, seven brain. Get it. Get it. Go. Sing something. Go, dogs. No. Go dog, sick of find it. Um, you've done stand up before. Mm-hmm. You've done actual like couple of hours stand up. You did a stand up show here. Do you want to keep doing that? I haven't. You haven't done it lately. Why is that? I do want to do it. I've actually been thinking about that a lot lately. I've sort of been gathering material for the last few years, and I'm like, man, I have a lot of stuff that I would love to do. Um, I think I'll do it. I think I'll do it again in the next year. I think it's kind of time. I've got enough stuff to do it. Mm-hmm. It is so. I, I remember doing my first stand-up show. Um, I'd done a couple of like little soft openings at Bongo Java, like oh, up in there upstairs. Nine years, yeah, ago, oh, up, yeah. upstairs, and bought invited just friends. Like mm-hmm. I sent an email to look guys. I'm. This is me dipping, not even my toe, but like the top of my toenail in the water of this. And you wanted your friends in there. Yeah, that's surprising. I, was like, I would want strangers. No, no, no. I was like, I need safe place people. Okay. Like, I need people that already like me. Okay. So, like, you're not gonna like if it's bad, you'll still think I really like him. See, I'm like, if it's bad, I'll never see you again. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know why I thought that. So, that's cool. I, so the funniest thing, the first tell was they both got packed immediately. Like, okay. people were like, and these were my good friends, mm-hmm. and I was thinking like. You know, they have the right to say, like, no. Right. Both shows. And I got up and just sort of did it. And, you know, some stuff was funny. Some wasn't. But then I did the Bell Court. And that was kind of my first, which sold out. What year was, was like, that? Nine? 2009? No, no, no. This was like, yeah, maybe then, 2008. Okay. And um, sold out. So I was like, well, here we go. And I remember before that show, I've never been more nervous for anything. For the bell cord. Oh, I was terrified. I literally almost had to lay down. Like, I was just so phys- physically anxious. But, as you know, as a performer, that's the that's the juice, though. That is, It was yeah. like... Give me 90 seconds on stage feeling that way, and I'm about yeah. to shoot off like a rocket. Yeah, that's... Yeah. And so, I remember walking around the downstairs of the bell cord in the green room, and Chris came down. He was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to be fine, but I'm, I'm nervous. I am beyond nervous. And then got up there, but that's the thing. I, I remember halfway through that show, I was like, I've never had more fun than mm. right now. Because it was, a lot of that stuff I was riffing. You know, I had little subject headings, kind of like a set list. And from there, it was just whatever was coming out of my brain. And I just remember being like, oh my gosh, I've never felt more alive. It was like, I was at the apex of yeah. creation oh, in I my know. brain. You know, it was like everything was sort of like whirling around. The world makes sense again. Yeah, and I probably slept better that night than I ever had. Yeah. And so that part of it I love because it's the only place in my life that that happens is doing stand-up, being on stage. What made just... you decide to do that first show? What was the transition from I do comedy when I'm doing music and I want to try to just do stand-up? I think because I had enough stuff in my show at that point mm. that I was like, I think I <laughs> have like, music yeah, I was like, yeah. I, 
Yeah, and plus I think I was really important to me too in that season of life that I was like not comedy funny singer guy. I really wanted to be like, this is my music, this is this is humor in my whatever this is. Mm. So I thought cutting them in half would be like, okay, look, I still can do this without music, mm. and I can do music without this. Uh, yeah, and so I think that was some of it. And then two was just literally having so many of my friends and people at shows being like, you got to do it. And Chris, it's so funny. We told this story last week in L.A. because people were meeting with him. I forgot. I literally called him and was like, I want you to set it up. I don't want you to tell me when. Just book the bell court. Let's do it. It's time. Mm-hmm. And he was like, all right. And he, you know, he worked the deal out, called me and said, it's going to be this night. And it's what we're doing. I was like, all right, let's do it. And it was an hour. No, maybe more. Like wow. we did it in Annie. I'll never forget. I did one weekend of run, which is a terrible thing now where Steve Mokler and Ben Rector opened playing mm-hmm. music. And it was Atlanta, Birmingham and Knoxville. And hot I, beds for Dave Morris <clears throat> fans. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I remember Annie came to the middle show and was like, you are 30 minutes too long. She was like, it's an hour 15 and that is 30 minutes too much information. And I was like, all right. So I had to cut 30 minutes out. And I remember that Man, night. You're so like, humble to just be like, okay. Well, I knew it. I mean, the truth. You felt you know, it too. Like, sure. Yeah, I was like, yeah, it's too way too long. Because I can feel it on stage. It was mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, this is funny. It's not as funny as I want it to be. Yeah, there's times where I can get three fourths into a story and go, I could stop here and this is funny That's enough. right. And then I keep going and I lose them. Yep. And I know. So that there was a lot of that. It was mm-hmm. exactly what you just said. Where I was like, I can cut a minute out of that joke and a minute out of this. I can kill that whole bit. Yeah. I can kill that whole three bits. Because yeah. they all sort of... So, you know, I remember the last show, I did 45 minutes. And I thought, that was good. Mm-hmm. That was like the beginning of something that made me cool. And then I had no ideas. <laughs> <laughs> that was the beginning. I'm here. But I think that's a trick. And this is the boldest thing I'll say being recorded is like, because I'll say bolder things, I'm sure the rest of the day. But I really think the thing that is interesting to me about humor is because it feels so natural. That's why I didn't do it again. I was like, all right, cool. I sort of proved myself. I can do 45 minutes of a pretty funny bit from here. It's going to start turning into something that I don't know if I want. So I'm good for a while. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you is like, did that not make you go, let's do a 10 show run. Or does that, do you not experience that and go, I want to take that to the next level? I did do that I with music. Yeah, I didn't with that. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why. Just, I, I felt, I felt like the, the, the box that I wanted to tick off in that season of my life, I did. I was like, cool, did that. Did, did some shows. It was cool. But I knew that to put in the work, I needed to make it really great. I was like, I don't have that time or energy in my career to do that right now. Right. It's like, I've got my music thing to still do and make. Um, but I really, really enjoy it. I mean, it's really, really fun. Because it's it's me really getting to be myself, sort of unedited, uh, uh, you know, sort of real time on stage with no, with just no net. You yeah. Know, it's just, you're just jumping. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's really, really fun. And it's really funny when it's not funny. Because it's like, all right, you yeah. know. Um, That's the stories we come home and tell. Oh, yeah. When it's not funny. Oh, man. Those are the ones that we enjoy. Well, there's nothing worse. It's like there's nothing better, but it's not, you said it so well. There's nothing worse than when you're 70% of a joke and you're like, well, that was the bad. I just passed a big laugh. Like, I killed drove it. By. And I, ha- I haven't ended the story, and they need to know how it ends. Right. And I'm so, and then uh-huh. no, no laughter. Right. Okay. Uh, you know, <laughs> but I think the good thing about 
my personality is it, it doesn't it didn't hurt me when stuff wasn't funny. I, mm. I just kind of felt like because I'd go, well, is anybody else not having a good time? Because yeah. at this point, you know, I'm not, and that would get a lot. You know, just being able to say, duly noted that that wasn't funny, everyone. You know, <laughs> yeah. like this room full of my ex-girlfriend. So yeah. things like that that are like, you know, that would be like, okay, cool, moving on. Yeah. But I think a lot of that's because I'm not identifying myself with it. So it feels there's a freedom in not feeling like the failure yeah. means something about me or something. Right. You know. What do you like about having funny friends? Because you have a whole bunch. Yeah. Present oh company gosh. excluded. No, you. <laughs> included. No. Uh, what do you like about having funny friends? I just, I don't know. I just love laughter. I love it so much. It's like, you know, I think it just reminds me, there's so much God in laughter because I feel like it's like a little taste of heaven in the in the way of for for a believer that it's like it just gets better like mm. laughter is like an echo of heaven to me in the way that it's like like even the worst stuff that happens here that's the worst it's just better we have heaven we have you know so for me i think there's just this it's like the great it's like so much levity it's just a reminder that like it's all gonna be okay mm. and I think for me as, as much as I love humor sometimes I need that I need to remember like it is okay like things are gonna be fine and um, I think humor and funny friends are such a great reminder that like hey we need to laugh at ourselves and remember that you know it's okay like everything's gonna be fine and it is fine yeah. What do you appreciate about your friends who aren't funny? Oh my gosh. Because I think for me, like, and it's not even that I, I don't, I don't tend to look at them like they're not funny. I just tend to look at them like their gift set is like Annie. I love my wife with all of my heart, but she is not funny. I mean, she's funny in some ways. She's right. funny to me. She's really funny to me in some ways. But, you know, the fact that she has perspective and wisdom and her priority isn't to make me laugh it's a different priority is always like really 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 important because i i'm i got funny i, I you know i don't need necessarily to have funny especially mm -hmm. with my wife mm -hmm. so you know i love that and i think too it's a great reminder that like there's there's more important things in the world than laughter sometimes and you know dealing with the truth of situations or you know I think too I can get lost on like you did Shay, but I can get lost sometimes in that so much that I don't think about the you know, the serious nature of the moment or you know, growth or things like personal growth, spiritual growth, etc. Yeah. And I think there's something really safe about people who aren't trying to be funny. <clears throat> yeah. For they sure. make me feel like if I'm in a crap, they're the ones who make me feel like I don't have to be funny. Yeah. That I'm the ones who That's a great word. And it's not always true. Like it's it's not universally true. But there are a couple of friends that pop out my mind that I go, I never feel like I could, like they're going to ever make me feel unsafe. Yeah. With Because I know that they are just happy to be here. Yeah. They're not here to impress. They're not here to be funny. They're just happy to be here. Mm. That makes me You know, too, I, th I think it's always funny uh, because there's no greater compliment that I get than when I get to know someone and they're like, wow, like you're actually deep. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. that's the story of me and Annie. I mean, she literally thought this guy is, you know, an inch thin and a mile wide. 
wide as far as his perception of whatever of life and whatnot. But uh, I was I've gotten to know a guy at my church really well, and he's wonderful, and he's 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 just become a dear friend. And like the second time we had lunch together, he was like, "Man, you are you have a lot of things to say," mm-hmm. and I just remember thinking, "I love it when that happens because yeah. I think." Sometimes a perception is like people that are more funny tend to just be funny, mm-hmm. which I think is the is wildly the opposite. My funniest friends are without a doubt my most intuitive and wise friends, because I think to be funny you really have to be perceptive. Yeah. You have to have crazy amounts of intuition and perception, mm-hmm. because all you are is a sociologist that makes people laugh. Right. You got to be watching. Always watching yeah. and monitoring yourself and why did I just do that? Oh my God, that's hysterical. Why did I do that? You know what I mean? Like if you aren't doing that, if yeah. you aren't, it's like, you know, so I think, I think that's what's so funny about funny people is they tend to be wildly and intuitive and perceptive. I think that's one of the highest compliments someone can give me is they're taking time to get to know the non-funny. Animal. Yeah. That's a huge compliment to me if they will push past that of yeah. me and um in a natural not creepy not yeah. just cut it out Annie just be tell me who you really are Let's that makes me ins- real, yeah that makes me insane but if I can feel people your wife Annie did that genuinely push into okay 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 that's great yeah. I, li- I like her she's fine yeah. um who what else matters yeah and then you go oh they care what else matters yeah. and yeah. that's why I like dating guys who don't think everything I do is hilarious yeah because then I go, oh, that you don't just value sideshow Bob. Mm-hmm. You also value that I'm a human. Yeah. Who's hilarious. I mean, so funny. <laughs> I mean, um, what is your favorite thing about me? No, I'm just kidding. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, last question. Then we're done, skis. What's your favorite book about being funny, or about, or a comedy book, or what? What book did you read that you laughed, like you just laughed? Because I know you love to read. You know what book I thought was genius that's that's funny that way, but in a very different way. Mark Helprin, who's written Soldier in a Great War, and some like I think he may have written one of his monster writing projects. He's a terrific writer. He wrote a book called Memoir in an Ant Proof Case that is so funny. Really? I've never but it's that really that. genius writer kind of like I remember reading it and just like I couldn't even laugh because I was just like, "How do you do this so well?" I <clears throat> that's in my top five books. I love Dimitri Martin. I think his his stuff is so bizarre and so funny. But it's it's you know it's interesting. Like re- even reading some of those books, like I I like funny books. I don't love funny David Sedaris. The hardest I've ever laughed. <laughs> I'm not the hardest I've ever laughed was that story he told me. Oh my gosh. I remember laughing so hard. When he told what story? You could, I could This be... is Annie. I have to interview. Oh, she's that's your wife. Hey, babe. Hey. No, we're still recording. We can be done. Yeah. You know me. We're, we're talking. <laughs> she said that's what I'm afraid of. I know. We're, t- we're almost done, no, Annie. No, we're almost Annie's done. We're wrapping up.
Okay. Well, can you give us ten minutes? Ish. Not even probably. Okay. Um. Okay, David Sedaris. But I was I remember What's... reading that book, Me Talk Pretty, one day, uh-huh. which I think is so freaking funny. Yeah. But that story, Me Talk Pretty, one day, I've never laughed that hard at something I read. Yeah. Like I was crying, laughing, yeah. like crying, laughing. Uh, but I don't know. Like he to me has a really unique gift with that. That's really unique. I don't I don't love like print funny. I don't know why. I don't really. That's not something that I'm like. Because I think, I think for me, print funny is so cerebral, and I like cerebral humor, but I like—I I don't know—I'm much more. I love the conversational visual stuff so much yeah. more, like movies or conversational funnies, you know. So I don't tend to really to really go toward print humor, though. That book, I've read three or four books. That that story in that book, I there are tear marks on that page for me laughing. Oh my gosh. I've never read that one. I'm oh gonna read my it now. Gosh. I'm gonna it order is it. so funny. Oh good. Like I didn't know you could be that funny, like writing something. He has a unique gift. His presentation, even when he's reading his words, is incredible. Oh my gosh. He's so talented. All right, well, thanks, Dave. Thanks for being funny. I'm trying. <laughs> we can feel it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> End of podcast. <laughs> So there you have it, the two-episode interview with Dave Barnes. If you weren't able to catch the first one, just hop back and get episode 6A. That was our first half of our conversation, and I just had the best time. I just had to, had to, had to leave that phone call in there from Annie Barnes because it's so classic how she works, wanting to make sure me and Dave are not just playing around, that we're actually getting work done. It's just the best. And just like last week, Dave is being super generous in giving away two autographed copies of his new album, Hymns for Her. That's H-Y-M-N-S for her. Here's all you have to do. You have to tweet at Dave and at me. He is at Dave Barnes Music. I am at Annie F. Downs. And say, I listened to episode 6B and I want a copy of hashtag Hymns for Her. You gotta say 6B and you gotta say hymns for her. The first two people that do that are gonna get a free autographed copy of the album from Dave. Maybe I'll sign it too, who knows? I promised that to the people last week, so we will see. And as Dave talked about in the podcast, he is going on the road with Matt Wirtz and John McLaughlin, the Two Birds, One Stone tour. Let me give you those dates one time real quick. Uh, March 26th, they'll be in Houston, Texas. March 27th, they'll be in Austin, Texas. March 28th, they'll be in Dallas, Texas. And then April 10th, they'll be in New York City. And April 11th, they will be in Washington, D.C. You can check out any of their websites to see other dates that they are doing as well. But if you live near any of those places where you can go to the Two Birds, One Stone Tour, do it, do it, do it. It is one of the best shows. Well, that sounded fun to me. I hope that sounded fun to you, too. If you get a chance and hop over to iTunes and you can rate and review this podcast, I'd be really grateful. That way, people who have never hung out with us before will kind of have an idea of what to expect and feel really welcome here. So if there's anything I can do for you, I'm easy to find all over the internet. I'm Annie F. Downs, F as in Frank or Frog or Fancy, Annie F. Downs, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, website, all of it. So, And for any of the links of stuff we talked about today, Dave's website, Dave's new album, Hymns for Her, the dates for the Two Birds, One Stone tour, or any of the books we talked about, just head over to my blog, AnnieFDowns.com backslash blog, and they are all linked there. So hope you have a great day, and we will look forward to seeing you next time.